Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. I remember clearly as if it was last night at a showcase for some key radio programmers back in the early 2000s. Our record label had sent four of us yeah. artists out to play in Los Angeles at a designated venue. Basically a classic Nashville songwriter in the round format. One of those talented guys on stage with me is my guest today. He was seated to my right and played before me. When he and his guitar went to work, I was like, oh, baby, is he something special. I was floored. My man has uh, had a great recording career, but as a songwriter, he's written some big hit songs for Get Ready. Artists like George Strait, Tim McGraw, Blake Shelton, Chris Stapleton, Eric Church, Miranda Lambert, Trace Atkins, Faith Hill, Montgomery Gentry, Rascal Flatts, Kenny Chesney and Trisha Yearwood, Kenny Rogers, Lone Star, Confederate Railroad, Blackberry, Smoke, Shooter Jennings, Don Williams, Ronnie Millsap, Lori Morgan, and I'm not done yet. We'll get into all of that. He's also an amazing artist. Uh, he's a dear pal. He's also going to be coming down to the Mississippi Delta for our Mockingbird Music Series, Music City to the Birthplace of American Music. His show sold out in about 28 hours. We're going to be taking this series all around the state. Please welcome multiple award-winning songwriter after all of that tongue-tied uh that uh you just heard anthony smith what's going on anthony hey buddy how you doing i just you know i'm good i'm good i uh i know your background but when you get to read about it it just puts another perspective and i'm going like my man anthony just really has had such a special career and uh i, I just think it's cool so i want to dive into that okay so anthony i'm ready you were born mm-hmm. you were born were you born in nashville or east tennessee where were you born I was raised in East Tennessee. I moved to Nashville uh, uh, in the late 90s. And actually, I think that that show that uh, we had talked about, you talked about in California, that was like 2002, I think. Okay. Because um, I had just, yeah, I had just signed my record deal, and that was one of my, yeah, was, I think we had just met there. It was a great night, too. I had a lot of fun there. It was. It was, it was, was it like the, the Silver Moon or something, wasn't it? Man, you got a better memory than me, but probably, I know that we had Otto... So it was James and it was David Nell on stage, you and me. Yeah. And I, it's mm-hmm. funny because they line you up and, you know, it's so funny. It felt like we was a cattle call, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like who's going mm-hmm. to be standing at the end? Uh, but the, 
I think in in the record label's mindset, that's the way to do it. But in our mindsets, we all became buddies. And uh, you know, anytime you hear a great artist, you, you know, we we get blown away. I was blown away, and I knew David was on the way. You know, his beautiful mm-hmm. voice, and and I knew James was going to get there. We all sort of knew that we all had a place on that stage. And uh, and I also remember we had to hold James up the next morning if I'm if I'm I'm throwing him under the bus. Uh, <laughs> I think he had a little fun that night. <laughs> I think you're right, man. I think it's so funny. I think you're right. That's what happened. And then the next night, it seems like we may have went to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and played another radio thing. Right. And and I think David Nail got uh, had it. Uh, had to hold up the next day. <laughs> I think you're. I think you and I were like dad. We were like the parents, right. which we were probably yeah. a little older. All right. So tell me real quick. Okay. So you grew up in East Tennessee. When does mm-hmm. the music bug bite? Did you know how old were you? Do you remember sort of that epiphany, that moment? Um. Yeah. I mean, I was. Uh, I remember when I was about four. I had. Uh, you know, my my mom and dad both kind of tinkered around with acoustic guitar and dad had an electric and he was he wasn't really a player he just loved the idea of it and uh but I, my grandpa was a really good player but i remember dad had this uh, little powder blue fender mustang he just brought it home and i saw it on the stand and i didn't even really understand it i just thought knew it made music and but it was the most beautiful thing i'd ever seen and i just wanted to touch it you know <laughs> and uh he wouldn't let me but uh, so, but he would let me tinker around with this old cheap acoustic guitar. And uh, so I started playing when I was about five or six years old. I started playing the acoustic guitar, and Dad showed me a few chords, and I took it from there. Never took a lesson, kind of a child prodigy, you know, yeah. growing up on guitar. And even though I didn't really pursue guitar, I, uh, I pursued more of the, the writing and singing part and uh, but i was writing songs my first melodies when i was like eight years old i remember dragging that big old guitar and say mom you gotta listen to my new song <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but i didn't write a lyric until i was about 15 and wow. uh, it was a gospel song so i played it and wrote it on a wednesday and played it in church on a sunday and uh the crowd liked it and so that really gave me the uh confidence to go in and start writing more music and uh that's kind of how it started, and it was uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful trip, you know. Wow, we're talking to brilliant hit songwriter, recording artist Anthony Smith. Anthony, you know what's funny? It all started in church for all of us. I used to play songs yeah. and write songs for like med- meditation after uh, after communion. I'm Catholic, you know, and and uh, mm-hmm. and so many of of our friends that I've interviewed, we all have that exact story going in playing for our mom. My mom would ground me all the time. I think she did it on purpose. She would, when I'd write myself out of the room, and she'd go, okay, you're forgiven. And, you know, it's funny how her parents sort of nurtured, had sort of believed in that. Um, it takes mm-hmm. a lot for a, a parent to buy into what we do as a kid because you, you, don't, you don't want them struggling uh, to the point of, you know, like is it such a far-fetched dream to do what we do. And, and mm-hmm. I think, uh, how were your parents as far as when they knew it's what you wanted to do? Was there ever a question of like, Anthony, maybe you should do this, or were they all in? Never. Yeah, they never questioned it. Um, they, they uh, best they could, they always provided me with what I needed. We didn't have any money, so we couldn't have afforded uh, guitar lessons anyway. So I just mm. happened to pick things up, and, and I never was really the kind of uh, guitar player that would sit down 
and try to learn uh, what was on the radio, or uh, which is really uh, odd because most people when they start guitar, they want to learn the new lick from you know whatever this rock band is or country mm-hmm. band, and um, and I never really did that. I just learned my chords and my imagination. I just kind of just kind of started making up my own riffs and stuff like that. And even though I did listen to radio a lot, and uh, uh, my dad, I listened to uh, my dad would sleep all night with the radio on, and he was always those old uh, uh, country stations. He played on Sundays, every Sunday. He'd have that, because uh, he worked all week, he'd have that uh, stereo, an old RCA, had the 8-track uh, the built into it and the turntable. And he'd play his uh, uh, country records, Waylon Jennings and Don Gibson and uh, Jerry Reed and all those kind of acts like that. Just really right. good stuff. And so that that gave me that part of it. And then, you know, when I was listening to the radio myself or buying my own records, I was buying rock and roll records, you know. Mm-hmm. I was buying Aerosmith or Boston or Horner or something, Steve Miller Band. And, right. Because uh, I was just a kid, you know. And uh, and uh, so it was great. I remember the first time as a guitar player, I remember, you know, just playing acoustic. I had electric guitar finally, and I was in seventh grade. I just played, you know, uh, plugged into the amp and the old amplifier I had. And, and I wasn't familiar with rock and roll at that age. So I was just familiar with, like, Bobby Goldsboro or Elvis Presley that my mom and dad listened to. I went into music uh, class, and the uh, teacher was running a little bit late, but it was show and tell. They were going to you bring in your own music. And one of these kids' name was Brian Hansen. <laughs> he, was, he had some kind of record playing up, up there. There's a big crowd gathered around the record player. I walk up there because I'm hearing this sound I've never heard before, and I'm mesmerized by it. I'm like in a trance, and I'm making my way through that crowd, pushing people out of the way. I've got to see what that is. And it's a, it was an Aerosmith record. I'd never heard distortion on yeah. a guitar before. <laughs> and, and it was the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard. So I, I said, what is that? What is that? Yeah. He goes, it's a, it's a group called Aerosmith. And I was like, what, 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 what is that? He, says, uh, he goes, man, they're just you know, a rock band. And that became the first record that I bought, uh, Toys in the Attic. Wow. And... Uh, yeah, so it was. They were playing. He was playing "Walk This Way," which was their single, and that guitar sound. So it made me research, trying to find out how you get a distortion, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so I went to the music store, started asking around, and they finally showed me. So, do you do you still have but, some of your uh, some of those pedals, maybe that you had bought as a kid? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> I don't have. I don't. I don't have anything from when I was a kid except for. Uh, uh, I do have a Gibson SG, 64 SG, oh, yeah. uh, my dad had bought, yeah, he'd bought before I was even around and kept it, and unfortunately, when I was a teenager, I had to hot rod it and modify it and yeah. put new pickups in it and stuff like that, so I wish, dad told me, he says, man, you need to keep that originally, because you're going to regret that one day, <laughs> of course, I wouldn't listen. We hot know? rodded all our guitars, I mean, I mean I've got more, I'd change the best pick i mean you know go to seymour duncan mm-hmm. i'd do the i mean it didn't matter you know i wanted I always sort of humbuckers back up you know and and, and part mm-hmm. of it and i would just rearrange all my pickups we're talking to anthony yeah. smith what a hit songwriter what an artist he's a pal you're in a mississippi minute we're gonna be right back In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I take off time to time, 
with those crazy friends of mine head out on steel horses with wheels and we ride we burn up that road to old mexico blend in with the desert just we amigos and we roll I'm Steve Azar. I am with my man, Anthony Smith, who has written more hits than I, I just, it's just crazy. Got so hot in Nashville, I think what happened was he woke up in the morning, the phone rang, and people were calling, artists were calling, producers uh, going, hey, oh, can you write me your next, can I have your next song? Will you write it for me this morning? And I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. So, Anthony, you, when do you make your way to Nashville? Uh... I'm in, I make my way in the late nineties and, uh, I get, uh, I came, I came to be an artist, you know, and I, I never really separated. Well, you are an artist. You're an artist. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I never separated the two, a songwriter and artist and, but Nashville has a funny way of labeling. So, right. uh, I ended up, wasn't the kind of guy who went knocking on doors trying to make things happen, unfortunately. So, uh, a friend of mine talked me into going into a, an open mic writer's night and uh, i didn't want to go i had no desire to go and uh, he talked me into it it was at the broken spoke a lady named uh, <laughs> debbie champion hosted the show right you have to sign in you know you got to sign this little uh sheet and they get you up there according to when you sign in you know and so i didn't get to go up until like you know 11 or 12 o'clock and uh and uh but i got up there and it went over amazing. And the um, crowd loved it, played stuff that, you know, I'd wrote, and nobody had ever heard of me before. And uh, so Debbie Champion, after I got come down from the stage, she, he, she brought me over, and she said, would you start coming back every Wednesday night? <laughs> and I said, sure. I had a good time. And so I started coming every Wednesday before I knew it. The crowd was just loving it. Um, uh, before I knew it, I was playing, you know, three or four nights a week, and, uh, about a month into doing that, um, publishers started coming in who had been hearing about me. And, uh, you know, and I was talking to like six or seven publishers and finally signed with Alma Irving. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and there, uh, which it was the, the, I think the largest independent publisher in the right. world. They had oh, like yeah. The beat, was Con- yeah, was it David Conrad? Center. Was it Conrad who signed you? Yes, it was a Conrad signed me. That was like uh, Lance Freed, who who was the president, uh, uh, global president. He was the son of Alan Freed, who termed, who coined the phrase uh, rock and roll. Yeah, so he ran the company out of California. But so I signed a deal there, and you know I quit my job as a cable man, <laughs> uh, just hoping I could get one cut, just enough because it's just uh, you know those publishers only sign you for a one. They sign you a three year deal with a one year option, meaning if you don't. Of course. They, they can drop you after the first year. So, right. So I was just praying to God because I left a pretty decent job with good insurance and stuff, and uh, for about a third of the money, <laughs> and uh, praying to keep that and maybe would parlay into a record deal or something. So I ended up getting uh, like almost forty-five cuts my first year. What? Which was un- yeah, it was unprecedented. I mean, everything I wrote got cut, um, and. Uh, so I was just, you know, and based off of that success, you know, I could do anything I wanted. I remember I'd have Dan Huff would call me in the mornings, and he'd say, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm writing, man. 
He said, what are you writing? I said, I don't know. I said, just, uh, we're just kind of into, in the middle of it. And he said, male or female? I'd tell him. He says, I want to put it on hold. <laughs> I said, well, you don't need... <laughs> he would put that. songs on hold before he'd even heard them because I was such a hot writer at the time. And uh, it. It, was, it, was, it was unbelievable. Uh, so you're telling yeah, me the cable fun. you're telling me the cable job was uh didn't pay as much at the by the end of the year as uh the 45 cuts yeah i mean i had a good <laughs> i had a good uh job at the cable company and and uh, you know and i was making you know i don't know probably seventy five thousand a year at the time it was the late 90s and early 2000s and uh that came along got a twenty five thousand dollar contract with alma irving no insurance no nothing yeah and uh and so i'm i'm behind on my house payment my car payment uh, and everything, me and my wife at the time. Luckily, with all these cuts coming in, um, I knew that, uh, I mean, Almo just came over and just said, hey, we're going to give you a raise. And uh, they, was, you know, in the middle of a contract, they didn't have to do anything, but they, they doubled my pay. Uh, by, the, uh, by the end of that, about a year and a half into that contract, um, you know, I, I had record labels calling me, and I had yeah. basically a, a, you know, a deal offered from all of the labels, and, you know, I... I chose Mercury. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we met. You know, it's so funny. You know, you're, first of all, there's, you know, the, the business is small. My first experience with David Conrad was something he never remembered, but I remembered. I walked in and uh, he said, I don't know how you got in my office. I don't care what you look like. This is exactly what he said. I've got yeah. big writers, mouths to feed. I don't have time for you. So yeah. 10 years go by, you know, we're at Mercury and, and I've had some hits, you know, and all of a sudden he becomes the A&R guy. So he's trying to find yeah. me and I'm on the road mm -hmm. and I'm tired and I'm just not, I'm not answering. Right. So I'm not answering him at all because I'm still upset at the way he treated me when I first got there. And I'm, oh, yeah. it, you know, when you get on the road and you're, you know, you know what I'm saying? We get out there and you get real tired. So you get ornery and you get cocky. I don't know if I was yeah. cocky because I think it was because I'm tired and I don't want to deal with it. So finally, right. he shows up in New Orleans. Uh, we had a House of Blues gig, and I'm on the back of the bus. He walks on, and I'm going like, oh, no, he found me. And he goes, here's the deal. I'm letting you go. Or you, I came to see why have you been avoiding me. So I told him, and he goes, Steve, I don't remember that at all. How can, I mean, I know you remember, but I don't. And then after he saw us play, he goes, you've been doing this your whole life. I'm in. And I went, well, that's a better response than the one 10 years yeah. ago. And so, but, but the cool thing about him was this. Of all the yeah. people, first it was Keith Stegall, who I thought would never sign me. He ended up signing me. Everybody that I mm -hmm. thought would never were the ones. And, and David was the one that said, what are you doing in your studio upstairs? And I was learning how to make my own records. You know, you and Bobby Terry were doing that. Rafe Van Hoy and I were doing it in a garage. Mm -hmm. We had ADATs and we had all that. And I learned how to do all that. And so that was my chance. And he would listen to anything and everything at two in the morning. He was all in. So big, he became yeah. a big mentor. And what a smart publisher he was. So you were in great hands. You think about it. You went into a situation where you had people not only connected, but new hit songs because his background yeah. was Chet Atkins, you know, and, yeah. and Mark Knopfler and, and Waylon and right. Waylon. Exactly. Yeah. So it has to be, you're looking back, you got to go of all the people to go. Yes. That quick. I mean, mm -hmm. you fell into the perfect place. They fell into the perfect place with you as a perfect marriage, right? It's an interesting thing because, uh, the guy who ended up signing me at Alma Irving was Scott Gunner, and he was—I uh, was the first songwriter he ever signed. And 
uh, he made me play in front of David Conrad. Now, David had a reputation as being, you know, tough and kind of mean and, right. uh, you know, and uh, so it was hard nut to crack. So they make me play a couple songs for him, and I play a song called Half a Man, and uh, he... he uh, he doesn't like it at all, and he just he just kind of cusses a little bit. Yeah, and says, tells tells me what all's wrong with the song. And here I'm this new art, a new songwriter that nobody ever heard of, and haven't even signed a deal yet. And I tell him, I said, well, I'm not changing anything in that song. Wow. And he just looked. Yeah, he looked at me like, wow, this guy actually is back talking me, you know. And and my I could see Scott Gunner and uh, Bobby Reimer who was in the room. They had they just their jaws dropped like oh oh heck this is uh, this is, he's not going to get a deal now and um, but uh, I didn't really care because I had other deals on the table but they ended up signing me in fact Scott Gunner went in there and told David he says listen he goes somebody's going to sign him he goes and if you don't sign if you don't let me sign him I'm quitting today wow so Scott Scott Gunner put his neck out for me and I was determined to make him proud so I yeah was, you know writing and. Yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was, Conrad was really, really hard on me until I became the hot writer. And, you know, then it was uh, kind of, the, the, the tables kind of turned. You know? I love it. We're talking to Anthony Smith. I mean, what a, what a journey. You know, um, a lot of your journey started before you came to town. So when you came there, you were prepared. And I'm telling every, yeah. my, my listeners out there, if, if the best way to explain Anthony Smith is when he and his guitar go to work, that voice of his, which is like nobody else's, and that guitar playing, which is like nobody else's, um, it's thunder and lightning in a bottle. The bottle explodes, and all of this incredible power, and, and it's just wonderful, man. I mean, you've been so gifted, and I've never had anybody in our business ever say anything but wow when they heard you go. And I was honored to be sitting next to you that night and get to know you. We were with Anthony Smith. He gets to play DJ now because I know he's from East Tennessee and I know Nashville makes a lot of big, great records. And I know he's written a zillion hit songs and, and recorded them. But Mississippi's the birthplace of American music, Anthony. I have to go there. Would you like there to you hear go. a little Marty Stewart or Paul Overstreet? Flip a coin, man. Because I'll take either one. <laughs> All right, okay. I guess because he's buddies with both of them. I'm going to let Will, our producer, decide between Marty and Paul. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We are with the fabulous Anthony Smith. He's a brother, big hit, multi-award winning songwriter. You're in a Mississippi Minute. You're wild, love. I can't take your kisses burn. Turn me on and burn me down Touch me, turn me on and burn me down In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi Yourself in the shiny grill and the white wheels of a red Chevelle. We'll fall on the floor in the top now. I'm Steve Azar. I'm with Anthony Smith. Incredible award-winning songwriter, recording artist. Take me back to the first cut. So you're back at Almo Irving. 
Uh, sort of the feeling of knowing. I know. I know you got forty-five in a year, but the first one had to feel pretty special, and you got to remember it. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's interesting because um, I was in the middle of uh, negotiating the contract to sign my, at Alamo Irving, and they just in in uh, in that uh, time frame they got a song cut. The hottest group in America at the time was Lone Star. They just come off of Amazed, which was the at the time, the biggest selling single in 20 years and um, song of the year and everything. So they their follow up record, they, they recorded one of my songs and I hadn't even they didn't have a publishing deal. And uh, so they kind of forced the hand of Almo to sign me. Like, oh, you know, right. And but that was the first cut I had. And I was so proud of it. Uh, Dan Huff had produced it. And uh, but the first single uh, that I ever had was uh, Trace Atkins, a song called I'm Trying. Right. And, uh, but uh, he, I knew he'd cut it. He'd also cut a song called Chrome of mine that year. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was driving down the road and I'd heard that it might be a single. And I was driving, I was driving home actually from uh, Almo and going down the highway and the song came on the radio, wasn't expecting it. And I about wrecked. <laughs> so I called everybody I knew, my song's on the radio. <laughs> And uh, went on to be a big old hit for him. And I love it. You know, the first time I saw Trace, we were on a show, and I walk up to him, and I go, you big stallion. I, I made some stupid comment. He looked at me like, hey, uh, fella, you know, like. <laughs> but listen, we got to become friends. I mean, he was great. And obviously, Chrome uh, ends up becoming a single as well and a hit. In fact, what happened was Dan Huff was cutting it on him, and uh, – the label had already said we don't, you know, because the songs were stretching him for sure. He was more of a traditional artist, and both of those, uh, lyrically, you know, they were they, they were different, and definitely musically uh, uh, stretching him and a little bit more progressive. And so, label didn't want him to do it, and so he he and Dan Huff were in the studio late one night cutting vocals on some stuff they'd already cut, and wasn't working. Just wasn't working, and so Dan says. We're going to cut these two songs. And Trace says, "Oh man, the label don't—they don't—they uh, won't approve of that." And uh, Dan said, "Hey, I'll take the heat. We're going to cut it and see what happens." And yeah. uh, so they cut both of those songs. And Chrome ends up being at that time the biggest single, sold more record than any any single he'd ever put out. Well, it's the name of the album too, wasn't it? If I remember right, it was the name of the. Yeah, Chrome was the name of the album. I love it. I love it. We're talking to Anthony Smith. Anthony, when you got your deal, obviously with your publishing deal, you had a lot of dates to the prom so you could stand up and, and fight for yourself. And then obviously with your record deal as well. Tell me what's going on now. Are you making a record right now? Because first of all, if if that ain't country, that's your that was the title track of your first record on Mercury, right? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody's got to check it out. You got to go online. I know nobody's buying them anymore. You got to stream it. And you got to trust me. And when you hear a song, Metropolis, and I mean, I, I have been, I have sat in the dark and listened to Metropolis and gotten to know Anthony Smith better than he, he can ever imagine. And I think that that, that says a lot, that song says a lot about how you grew up and, um, and you just got to check him out and you got to trust me on this one. So I want everybody to pull their cars over right now in Mississippi and, and beyond and just, just stream it, man. And just then, then get your car back going and hope you don't get a ticket. Uh, Anthony, so what are you working on now? Well, you know, I just, it's interesting. I just signed a, a, a publishing deal uh, the last week. It was a, it's the first publishing deal I've had in a long, long time. I haven't been pitching music, gosh, in almost a decade. And uh, 
so, you know, I, I'd left Universal, had two songs in the top ten, and a huge contract. And I left there, didn't re-sign with them, and right. uh, took a lot of time off. And I'm just now getting back into it. The, the names have changed, the game has changed, uh, so it's yet to adapt. And uh, now, pretty much to get on the record, you have to write with the artist. And, you know, whether they're a talented writer or not, you pretty much have to split the song with them. And right. That's the, that's the name of the game, and uh, so I'm, they're hooking me up with a lot of the the hot new uh, uh, new artists that are out there right now, and I think the Chris Youngs and the right you know those kind those kind of guys out there, Luke uh, uh, Luke Bryan and uh, uh, the other Luke who's awesome right now, and uh, so um, yeah, I, I it's, it's pretty exciting times. I just made an acoustic record, my first acoustic record. Hallelujah. And I'm so proud of it. It's amazing. It's such a. Um, I've never. I've not even put it online yet. I put it up uh, on. On believe it or not, I put it up on Facebook, <laughs> and the only way you could buy it was through PayPal. <laughs> so I put a PayPal link up there, and uh, you know, so people were like, uh, never bought a record through PayPal before. <laughs> so, uh, but it sold the first week. I sold fifteen hundred records. Wow, and which that which is more, by the way, than my first week. Well, no, I take that back. Mercury sold more. Yeah, they sold like more. 8, but, but <laughs> yeah, but it, but still, I mean, uh, it was without, without going through a, a a big machine, and so you know, the only way you get that record is now basically at a live show, and I do a, a lot of those. So, um, but yeah, that's, I've got that record, and I'm on, I'm in the process right now of I've got new management. I've not had management as an artist. Basically, self-managed and self uh, right uh, did did my own bookings and everything, but just signed management deal with this publishing company as well. And so I'm actually going to be doing some touring uh, besides what I've been doing, and um, uh, and I'm making a full-blown record, first one, and you know, first probably real record since if that ain't country because wow. Um, yeah, everything else I ever put out, I put one other thing out, and it was just demos. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you and Bobby, so so first of all, let me say this, and this is, mm -hmm. I mean, this is 1,000% compliment, okay? Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, sure. this is a 20. You, when, when, when you play with the band, when I watch you play with the band, I felt like, in a way, although the band was great, sort of get in the way at times. Now, you gotta, you gotta realize, you gotta have the perfect band for you. I felt like... It was a little bit more like Willie. You were a little bit more like uh, where where there was less music going. The less music going on, getting out of the way or or accompanying your guitar and your voice, the more magical. Yeah. So to hear you say you made an acoustic record to me is like yeah. I can't wait to I can't wait to go to PayPal today. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I'm telling you because that is that to me is you're so magical that way and and that's the ultimate compliment so i love playing alone i love telling the stories um mm -hmm. it, it's just great news to hear that you're doing this and i can't wait for you i had mark allen springer our first mockingbird music series and what that is is sort of pairing culinary and lifestyle and um and obviously music bringing music city to the birthplace of American music, and obviously I'm starting this series in my hometown. I'm going to move it around the state, um, but the first one was sold out. It took probably three days, and then you sold it out in tr about 
I'd say 28 hours. We had to add seats and we still sold out. We got a waiting list. And I can't wait to have you in hometown because they're going to get to experience what I did the first time I met you in, in L.A. And, 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 buddy, that's the gift that you've been given. And, and I, I think the good Lord just sort of had it figured out, you know, when he, when he had you. You know, when he made well, when, excuse me, when he made you, your mom had you. <laughs> she was a vehicle. Know, I, I really appreciate that coming from you, buddy, because you're, you know, you were such a star. And, and uh, we had so many good times, and I loved hearing you. And uh, we did, you know, quite a few shows together. Yeah. And um, and uh, I was the new kid on the block. Got to open these shows for you. So I got to sit out there and watch you from the, from the audience or just from backstage peeking around the corner. But. Yeah, I totally enjoyed it, and um, but yeah, gosh dang it, it was I, I, the the record that we had made. You know, the critics just absolutely loved it, and so we tried to do it live, and it turned out fine. It's just that it was uh, it was a hard record to reproduce live because it was the way Bobby Terry had uh, weaved those instruments together. It was, right. Uh, it was it was like making an Eagles record because we sit down and wrote out all the parts as we were going and and did post you know pre production post production and um, so that's why it turned out so special. But I do like playing uh, later on in playing. I end up playing electric guitar a whole lot in my band, and yeah. uh, so it changed the dynamics of it a little bit. Finally landed on the the, the players that uh, suited what I do the best. We're talking to Anthony yeah. Smith. What a hit songwriter. What an artist. He's a pile. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. Baby, run. Cut a path across the blue skies. Straight in a straight line. You can't get here fast enough. Find a truck and fire it up. Lean on the gas and off the clutch. Leave Dallas in the... Hey team, are you or do you know an aspiring songwriter or artist that needs coaching and direction on how to navigate the music business? Do you have a corporate event, festival, or fundraiser that needs entertainment or event consulting? Let All Access Azar bring your vision to life and help you avoid the mistakes that can steer success off course. With access to my A to Z wealth of knowledge, expertise, and contacts in the entertainment business, my team and I are ready to help you help assess what your goals are and identify the steps to get there. I'll bring many years of expertise and network resources to help facilitate the success of your brand. To learn more about the wide range of services we offer, visit our website, aaazar.com. Fill out the form that fits your needs, and we'll get back to you. Thanks a lot. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. I'm with Anthony Smith, incredible award-winning songwriter, recording artist. It took me, I'd say twenty, I'd say twenty-seven, twenty-eight years to find the the perfect formula. It's a long process yeah. because you get, you know, it. They've got to be vested and they've got to buy into exactly. And then it's good that you start making records with them because then they really are. You're letting them know how much you believe in them because the sounds working. So. I mean, it took a long time. 
it, for me, I mean, it was a mess early. And, and well, you, yeah. You know, so that's just yeah. part of the process. But still, though, it was great when you mm-hmm. played, when you had the electric guitar and you had to try to recreate this incredible record you and Bobby Terry made. But, but there's still the magic to me is, and the, and the gift is when you need nothing but you you and yourself i mean that that's the that's the i mean look when it starts with that and that's all you need everything else is just added as far as i'm concerned so you've already won yeah. is my my point so let me uh, well i most of, yeah most of the shows i do now are acoustic i still take the band out from time to time but probably 90 percent right now are acoustic yeah. solo and it, it it goes over so good and um I actually love doing it. I'm like you. I do love telling the stories, and I, I swear to God, I believe the people like the stories as much as they do the song. <laughs> well, no, they do. Well, the, the, where where the song was inspired and born, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, the song doesn't happen without that. So to get that backstory and that setting is just, you know, I still yeah, you, as a music fan, I still love it. You know, still. Well, love you it. tell the folks how that it got recorded. You're saying. You know, you tell them how that Tim McGraw got a hold of this song and how that you got it to him and and the conversation you had back and forth. And uh, sometimes those stories are almost unbelievable. And you mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a fluke how it happens sometimes. And but it's really interesting for people who really don't know how the machine works in Nashville, hearing some of these behind the scenes because they have no idea. And it's right. It's some pretty entertaining stories. What's the name of the record that you this, that people can get right now on Facebook? Um, you know, I'm going to put it online, and uh, all it will say is Anthony Smith. I, did, I just did it self-titled, and okay. uh, I don't know what the, 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 the full-blown record's going to be called yet, but I do know I'll have this acoustic record up uh, probably on iTunes and Spotify and all that here really soon, the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping, and... Uh, so you'll finally be able to get it without having to go through PayPal. Wait, but that, that's called Anthony Smith, or the next record is going to be Anthony Smith? The acoustic one is called Anthony okay, Smith. It's got it. basic, you know, yeah. Have you ever just thought about your success and just going, wow? I mean, like, how blessed? Uh, you know, you don't really think about that. Like, I mean, you know you're blessed because you have an amazing job doing what you do. And the uh, one of the gifts, really, is the fact that you knew your whole life what you wanted to do and how few people know what they want to do. They struggle, right. what I'm going to do in life, you know, and uh, what am I good at? And uh, for guys like yourself and me, I mean, I don't think we ever had to uh, make that choice. It was kind of like, well, this is this is all I'm going to do. I, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And you take it for granted sometimes that, you know, this is what you do. You don't think a whole lot about it until... Like for me, you know, I sometimes I'll be walking in the grocery store, pushing the cart through the aisle, and suddenly a song, I just happen to notice a song being played over the speakers, and the song's played halfway through before it even gets your attention. You say, oh my God, I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, you, it dawns on you that, you know, you're you're walking through life and you're part of a pop, pop culture, you yeah. know, and... Uh, it's a very humbling and, uh, I, you know, it, 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 I feel completely honored to, to you know, every time something like that happens, you're yeah. like, God, thank you, you know? Well, you're, I can imagine if you stayed in that grocery store for a few hours, you'd hear an entire album. 
of your milk shakes. <laughs> you just stick around, just kind of hang out, start with coffee, then get a Diet Coke, and then, you know, make your way, you know. <laughs> We're talking oh, to goodness. Anthony Smith. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We're having a blast. Uh, Anthony, I, I can't wait for you to come down and visit me. We'll cook and we'll we'll reminisce, and um, and I can't wait to show you off to a lot of our friends well, down here who are big music fans of yours, and uh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to meet them. I, you've always told me about all your friends down there. And are you still doing those? Uh, I never had one, but I always heard about the catfish shooters. Or <laughs> 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 uh, you know, it's so funny. That night was uh, was uh, was one of those deals. They had my brother Joe. You know, my brother Joe and my buddy Tweety would put this catfish. And we'd do, send the invitations. Eventually, uh, Rafe and I wrote the song. But the bottom line is. Uh, yeah, that shooter that night, I'll never forget. It had some kind of alcohol, catfish, walnut shells and walnuts. I think, and it was grinded and hot sauce grinded all up into some sort of concoction in the blender, pureed. And I remember Haley, the toughest one of all, drank it. Yeah. I'll never forget going like, oh, oh no. But I never took yeah. it. But yeah, we still do catfish down here. And uh, uh, we'll, sure. uh, yeah. we'll cook some catfish for you. And have some uh, jalapeno oh, hush puppies. How about that? There you go. All right, brother. You're the best. I love you, pal. And uh, thank you for spending a Mississippi Minute with me. I have been with my man, Anthony Smith. you got to go check him out online. If that ain't country, the record, the self-titled acoustic record, Anthony Smith. And you can thank me later and later and later because it will become uh, a soundtrack of your life. Anthony, you're the best, baby. All right. Same to you, buddy. Look look forward to seeing you all. All right, pal. April 10th, Mockingbird News. You got it. I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.